This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. It's Travel Tuesday. How to enjoy Italy, even while there's a pandemic going on. Very important time for college students seeking financial aid in the upcoming year. We'll learn why in our next segment. Right now, though, the report on home prices is out, while political wrangling over the debt ceiling continues in Washington. We're joined by Bob Brusca, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Uh, Bob, let's talk about these home prices. I mean, they seem to be pretty good if you're selling. Yeah, if you own a home, uh, you're doing well. And if you're on the outside looking in and wondering how you're going to afford one, you're going to continue to wonder about that because interest rates are starting to creep up, and that's going to make... uh, Financing a home uh, even more expensive. It's going to make those initial costs even greater. And it, it's a real problem. Home affordability has become a problem in America. And um, I don't know what to say, except if you're on the outside, it's a very bad thing. If you're on the inside, um, you're a happy camper. Do those prices on help? the outside, you're probably just a camper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really tough to get inside, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to tapping into a home's equity, I mean, a lot of people want to do that. They want to do projects around their house. It would seem like rising home prices would help them make sure that they have that equity. Yeah, sure it would. Um, you know, there was a lot of tapping home equity, uh, you know, before the financial crisis. And uh, consumers have been a little bit more reluctant to tap their home equity uh, since then. But, yeah, there's been a run-up, and people can certainly do that. They can borrow money to put money back into their house and um, – you know, a lot of times it makes sense because if you want a bigger house and you have to move, the moving expenses and all of that are substantial. And maybe it makes sense just to stay where you are and add on. And uh, and maybe that works. Maybe that's cheaper. Yeah, and that gives you a little, uh, little money to do that. Let's talk about the debt ceiling here. It seems like this, I don't know, creeps up every year, two, three, that, that Congress ends up in this debate over whether or not they're going to do it. And they, they end up getting it done at some point. Well, they always have. Uh, you know, I can remember a period when Newt Gingrich thought it was it would have been a good idea to not pass the Newt Gingrich and then make America go bankrupt. And let me just say that would be a really, really bad idea. Um, we don't want to do that. It would ruin our credit rating. It would uh, do all kinds of unmentionable things. But uh, this is political theater. This is show. The, um, the Republicans feel that Democrats have rammed all kinds of legislation through on a very narrow margin because they can make the vice president vote in the Senate and they have done things without compromising with them. And so their view is that this debt is not their debt. You know, this is not a Woody Guthrie song. Uh, this debt is your debt. This debt is your debt. So <laughs> they want the Republicans to pay to lift the, uh, the debt ceiling, Republic, uh, the Democrats to do it. And the Republicans don't want any piece of it. And the Democrats are trying to remind them, well, hey, there's a lot of debt out there that was incurred under your administrations. 
And the Republicans are saying, yeah, but it's the future that we're, we don't want our fingerprints on. So you have the majorities. So you take your people, you go ahead and you pass it. And the problem is that, you know, there are some Democrats, uh, even though the Democrats have a full majority, who don't want to vote for this thing. So um, here we go. It's a slippery slope. And I've been watching these testimonies today. And I can tell you, I'm listening to Janet Yellen. And uh, there's a lot more political talk here than there is uh, sensible economic talk. This is all about politics. Thanks so much. Good insight from Bob Brusco. We'll see how it ends up going with that debt ceiling. Bob is chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Coming up, sooner is better when you're filing for college financial aid. Right now, the filing season for federal student aid opens on October 1st. Let's talk about the importance of early action. Mark Horner is here, wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management. Be sure to check out Fairhaven Wealth's new college pricing tool. It's on their website at fairhavenwealth.com. Uh, Mark, so why is it so important that parents and students get in there and do that early? Well, Cisco, I would I would actually add a qualifier to that. I think it depends on on the uh, the importance of getting there early. Uh, I, I think in, just in general, not enough is known about the college application process, and it's a massive financial decision, maybe second behind buying a house in anyone's life. And so important to go into it prepared. So a one, one note is that for, if your household uh, income is somewhere between $125,000 and $150,000, it's going to vary by school. Uh, if, if you're below that, you're, you're going to have a decent chance of getting some sort of, uh, some sort of financial, financial-based aid, or another way to say that is, is discounts. If, you're, if your household income is above that, you're gonna that range one twenty five to one fifty. You're gonna have very little chance of of getting any sort of any sort of financial aid. And and what by filling out the FAFSA, if you're again above that above that range, what you're essentially doing is disclosing all of your financial information to a school or university that that wants to charge you as much tuition as possible with little to no chance of getting any sort of financial financial aid and so we're just we're not fans of rushing to fill out the FAFSA uh, if you're if, again in that in that second camp it makes it sound like you should uh, parents assume hey just hurry up and fill it out it sounds like they should talk to a financial advisor though uh, whoever their financial advisor is before filling it out to find out if they should even fill it out Absolutely. And so, again, we're making this tool available on our website where, where parents can basically take a free, uh, a, a free run at the FAFSA to get an idea before they actually disclose all that information uh, about what discounts they might, they might expect. And, you know, the, 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 the rush to fill out the FAFSA, what I've seen anyway lately, is coming a lot from the student loan providers. It doesn't make them bad people, but the student, but the student loan providers out there in the business of providing student loans not getting you a discounted tuition rate. So by starting first in, in really understanding how your family fits in in your student profile, fits in with the various schools that you might be interested in from a price perspective. So starting the process with understanding price, we think makes a ton more sense than starting the process by dumping your tax returns and your brokerage statement and what home equity value you might have in your house uh, in front of the people that are that are trying to get you to pay the the highest price that that they can. Yeah, it's interesting because you you don't really do that for any other transaction, right? There's nowhere else where your price is negotiated after they know how much money you have. 
Well, so people laugh at this example, but I think many people can relate to it. Rushing to fill out the FAFSA, again, in, again above that 125 to 150 zone in household income, rushing to fill out the FAFSA, I would say, is no different than walking onto the car dealer lot and saying, here's how much money I make, here's how much money I've got in my savings and investments accounts, here's how much home equity I've got, now let's talk about cutting me the best deal on that SUV. I mean, nobody would go through the car buying process that way. And, and we think, especially given how little information is out there about the, about the college process and how it works, we, we think it makes no sense to lead with disclosing your financials. You know, play the cards a little closer to the vest and, and get a better understanding of what discounts might be available. And you might be surprised at, at how sharp the pencil can get to getting that tuition number down. So, I, you know, you're, you're giving me sort of new information here. I've, I've never heard that you can really approach a school without filling out the FAFSA to begin negotiating. It seems like they've created this uh, this belief that if you don't fill out the FAFSA, you don't get any kind of aid. You just pay whatever the sticker price is. Yeah, I, th- I think that. So again, it is gonna it is gonna vary. Some some schools will draw a hard line in the sand that if you don't fill out the FAFSA, you can't apply to the school. I think that's gonna be the rare the rare exception. Uh, so but what what they're trying to do is to get some information. Uh, so how the whole process works is uh, college tuition starts with that gross number. The college tuition uh, office uh, looks at or the financial aid office looks at how much, what resources you have, and they come up with a number called the expected family contribution, so the EFC, where the university or the college is determining for you what they think you should pay for their services, which, again, is I'm not aware of another, another service experience that works that way. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. It does not have to be that way. And so we've, we've gone, I've used this tool for myself. I've got four kids, two of which are in college. We have, we have been successful with uh, both with my kids and other clients in helping them shave costs off of that college tuition number by following the process that I'm talking about. So getting yourself, getting yourself educated about uh, how your profile, your family financial profile, your student's profile lines up with the schools that you're interested in from a net tuition number, not the, not the gross number, and then taking it another level to then negotiate that number or attempt to negotiate that number down even further, which again has worked. So uh, we are just big fans of not leading with just dumping the financial information out, going back to the school. Uh, so the maximum point of negotiation power for the applicant is going to be when your student receives their acceptance letters. That is when the university is most motivated to convert your student, your accepted student, into an admitted student. That's when you strike with the negotiation tactics. And we, we've, got, we've got that outlined uh, on, the, on the website as well. That's uh, really interesting info for a lot of parents who wrestle with this. Thank you so much. Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management. Just ahead, a rapidly growing Chicago-area-based hot dog chain is going public. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Portillo's started humbly with one hot dog stand in Villa Park. It's now in the financial big time. Let's get the latest from Ali Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Uh, Ali, Portillo's looking to go public. Yeah, it's true. You know, they announced earlier this summer that they had planned to uh, debut on Wall Street. And yesterday they filed their S-1 form with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is sort of the big financial reveal that companies do before they go public. And, um, you know, it it tells a little bit, you know, about uh, their prospects. Now you see just about every fast food restaurant is relying on the drive-thru even more than ever. And yet one of the things that uh, I guess positions Portillo's well is the fact that they mastered the two-line drive-thru a long time ago. They do. It's always been impressive how quickly they can get people through, even before the pandemic. And now it's become really a lifeline for them. It's pretty staggering when you look at the numbers. Um, Their locations on average served 825,000 people in the year that ended June 27th and averaged $7.9 million in sales. That's pretty staggering. If you look at McDonald's, for example, their locations do an average of $2.9 million in annual sales. So that's one of the reasons why experts say that Portillo's is going to do pretty well as a public company. And this allows them, I would imagine, if this IPO is successful, they'll have all that capital to be able to expand and, and get more locations, not only around here, but really all around the country. Precisely. They said in the filing, and this is a pretty staggering number, too, that they believe that they can grow to more than 600 restaurants in the next 25 years. Right now, they're at 67. They're mostly in the Midwest. They've got a few locations in Arizona, Florida, and, you know, they would they um, investors would probably expect them to go nationally, if not globally. And so um, moving forward, I I guess uh, a lot of people are are going, okay, so uh, what does this mean for the company? You know, when you go public, it's been local ownership for a long time. It's kind of maintained that hometown feeling uh, when they go public, uh, you know, maybe not so much. Right, exactly. So um, one of the things that Portillo's does really well is that they have created this somewhat of a cult following. 
um, which is one reason why experts think that they will do well. If they can carry that excitement that people get around their food to all these different cities they expand to, they could do well there. But there's always headwinds for companies to go public, especially restaurant chains. In Chicago, we've had a few that haven't done as well in the public markets as, as was expected or as investors would have liked. Um, you know, Potbellies is one of those. As an example, Coasty is another one. They used to be based here. McDonald's is the exception. They obviously do decently well in the public markets, but Portillo's would kind of be balancing that line. They would be subject to pretty, you know, intense growth expectations. They would be expected to have to deliver a return on investment um, for people that are putting their money into the company. So that's a, a thing that restaurants really have to balance and make sure they don't expand too quickly and stretch themselves too thin. Thanks for all the details. Ali Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter. You read her online and in print in Crane's Chicago Business. Still ahead, Travel Tuesday, heading out on an Italian adventure. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. It's great to have you joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Treasury Secretary urges congressional action on the U.S. debt ceiling. This is Bernie Tafoya. Groundbreaking is today for the Obama Presidential Center in Jackson Park. Travel Tuesday help in deciding whether the time is right for a trip to Italy from a travel expert who's just been there. Buy now, pay later is increasingly popular with consumers, but there are other options to spread out the cost of purchases. WBBM Business, the Dow down 528 points. The Nasdaq is down 371. The S&P is down 82. Oil is down about a half a percent. Sunny skies, high of 70. 74 degrees, right now 69 degrees. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen appeared before the Senate Banking Committee this morning speaking about the battle over raising the debt limit. We must address this issue to honor commitments made by this and prior Congresses, including those made to address the health and economic impact of the pandemic. It's necessary to avert a catastrophic event for our economy. Senate Republicans yesterday blocked a bill that would fund the government and suspend the U.S. borrowing limit. Groundbreaking set to happen in about an hour at the Obama Presidential Center. There were other cities that wanted to be home to the Obama Presidential Center, but ultimately the decision came down to putting it in the city that Barack Obama began as a community organizer, where he and Michelle met, married, and began a family, and where his wife grew up. The center will include a museum with American history exhibits, a forum building and plaza, which will include an auditorium, meeting spaces, and a restaurant, a public library with a garden on its roof, play areas, walking paths, including a wetlands walk, and a sledding hill. The $830 million project is expected to take five years to build. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 1059, WBBM. It's 1232. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets in the red. The Dow down 531. NASDAQ down 376. That's 2.5%. And the S&P is down 83 points. Let's talk about it with Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management. Uh, Vahan, what do you make of what's going on today? Well, it's two things. It's uh, the fact that we have a big surge in interest rates um, several days in a row now. We've, we've seen the uh, yield on the 10-year uh, go up, and it's been going up ever since the start of the year. We started off this year well under 1%, and now we're uh, above 1.5%. Um, and that has uh, investors very worried because uh, it's particularly bad news 
for um, growth stocks. Uh, in general, rising interest rates is bad for all kinds of stocks, but growth stocks in particular. And, of course, we're seeing a much bigger sell-off in the NASDAQ today than we are in the Dow. And the other issue that investors are focused on is the, um, is the debt ceiling. Uh, we go through this exercise every once in a while where politicians um, play this game of chicken. Nobody wants to give in. Uh, they come close to uh, breaching that debt ceiling. Um, I'm confident that eventually something will be worked out, but uh, I think that also has investors a little scared today. Really interesting, I think, especially for newer investors who assume that the major indexes kind of move in unison when you have the Dow down about a percent and a half, NASDAQ down two and a half percent. It reflects, as you've already stated, the fact that that's not always the case. Yeah, that's right. You know, you have to you have to keep in mind what kind of stocks are in these indexes. Um the Dow primarily has these large-cap blue-chip companies that have very strong cash flows, strong earnings. They've been in business for a very long time. And uh, the NASDAQ is loaded up with a lot of growth stocks. Uh, many of them are relatively young. Some of them don't have earnings yet. They have a lot of promise. And then when you look at the S&P 500, uh, even though you know it has a lot of stocks in it, um, the weight is based on market cap. So um, a very large proportion of the S&P 500 is, uh, is dictated by um, only a handful of stocks. So when these large-cap technology stocks are having a, a bad day, uh, it's very bad news for that kind of index. So what is an investor to do? A lot of people see all the red and they get a little scared, and yet this may be the time for buying opportunities. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it could be a buying opportunity. I'm not sure I would jump in yet with both feet, but I think uh, it is a good time to be adding to positions. Um, I particularly like uh, the value uh, stocks. I think uh, that's a good place to be. I like stocks that pay dividends. Um, but, you know, keep in mind that we're in a position right now where there's a lot of debate about whether inflation is uh, transitory or not. Uh, I do still believe the Fed that inflation will prove to be transitory. Uh, that doesn't mean that prices will go back down, but it means that the rate of increase will uh, start slowing down again. Uh, right now, we have a very high rate of inflation after years of, you know, virtually no inflation. But I think, uh, you know, once we get these supply chain issues worked out, we could see inflation go back down to about the 3% level. Thanks so much for all the insight. Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management. Just ahead, Travel Tuesday, exploring the beauty and culture of Italy, even during the pandemic. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, sponsored by DiscoverPeoria.com. This afternoon, we're putting the spotlight on Italy. Angie Rice is joining us, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors. Their website, travelbta.com. So, Angie, if I understand correctly, you're recently back from Italy, and so you have some insight into how to navigate it during the pandemic. A lot of people are thinking that they have to avoid it. Apparently, that's not the case. Nope. Europe is open to U.S. travelers, and it's more unnerving prior to travel than actually being in country. So, Obviously, the planning, making sure you have all the documentation necessary. So for us to enter Italy, we needed the EU passenger form. We needed a vaccination card in order to enter museums and restaurants. And, um, you know, once you have that documentation and you're in country, we're primarily asked to show our vaccination card. So, yeah, other than that, I mean, you can get around, it sounds, wherever you want to go, as long as you have that card to be able to get entry. 
Correct. I think it is important to have the vaccination card because most restaurants are requiring it as well as museums. But once you're there, I think the protocols are very impressive, at least in Italy. You do see more mask wearing, but at the same time, we were there when the weather was beautiful. And primarily, we were in Tuscany doing things outdoors like biking and hiking. Uh, visiting museums that are certainly at a much um, lower capacity. So it's an excellent time to be able to tour and avoid crowds. That was actually one of my questions, getting into museums. In some respects, is this really the best time? Because you're not going to have as many other tourists in there with you. I still highly recommend that you have appointments made in advance. By doing so, you avoid any line, but certainly the lines are shorter than normal. Sometimes those lines can be two, three hours, for example, to get into the Vatican. But there's ways with tour guides that you can skip the lines and get right in. So always best to book your appointments in advance. So Italy is hot and it sounds like you can navigate it even during the pandemic. What about uh, other European countries? Any of those that are as easy to navigate? Correct. Now, it's important that each con- to recognize that each country has its own protocols. Um, we use Sherpa It's a great resource. You can document where you're coming from and where you're going to determine the paperwork that's necessary. Um, Some company uh, countries have uh, more stringent requirements as it relates to providing a COVID test, whether it's PCR or a rapid test. Other countries, if you're vaccinated, you can avoid the COVID testing in advance. Now to return, the U.S. does require that you have a rapid test within 72 hours prior to returning to the U.S. But I've noticed that the hospitality industry is very accommodating. You can either visit a pharmacy. We pay 20 euros per person to be tested in Italy. And there are also hotels that provide testing on site as well. So less stressful to um, worry about your return test, but it does help to do that research in advance to know whether you're able to test on property or whether there's a neighboring pharmacy where you can secure an appointment prior to your return. Thanks for all the details. Sounds like it may be a great time to head to Europe. That's Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors. That's Travel Tuesday. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, the latest on the rise of buy now, pay later purchase plans. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. MasterCard is announcing a new installment payment program for the U.S., Australia, and U.K. markets. Let's talk about it. Ted Rossman, industry analyst at CreditCards.com. Ted, help me to understand this because I thought, you know, credit cards were basically an installment plan if, if you choose to use them that way. Right. So what we're talking about here is MasterCard and its bank partners, which include Barclays, Fifth Third, SoFi, Synchrony, and a few others that are part of this initial program. Basically, it's a way for them to compete more head-to-head with fintechs like Affirm and Afterpay and Klarna, these companies that offer buy-now-pay-later programs. You know, no interest if you make four payments over six weeks, for example. It's really blurring the lines between a traditional credit card transaction and a traditional debit card transaction and this new buy-now-pay-later thing. Basically, MasterCard and the banks want to be kind of all things to all people, and you could use a digital wallet, let's say, to do any of these things in the same place. Is this acknowledging uh, the the cost of some products puts people in a position where if they're going to get them, they're going to need installments or they're going to need to wait sometimes years in order to save up the money for them? There is some of that, although increasingly we're seeing more 
affluent folks, you know, the, the Henrys, the high earners not rich yet, um, gravitating to this. So we might be talking about people with household incomes in the six figures that maybe they just want a little more time to pay off that Peloton bike or those new shoes or outfit or whatever it may be. So I think that's where it comes down to choice and just the blending of the digital and the physical. So however somebody wants to pay, they can now use this offering. And helps those retailers with those higher end items actually get more of them out the door. Retailers love the buy now, pay later concept, which is interesting because it actually incurs higher processing fees. Like merchants pay more money to the buy now, pay later companies typically than they pay the credit card companies. But there's this perception that the buy now, pay later industry has done a great job of educating merchants and basically convincing them that by partnering, they're going to sell more stuff. And you could maybe say the same thing about credit cards, but I think that the perception is out there that like Amazon just started partnering with a firm and Square bought Afterpay for $29 billion. And there's a real scale there. And this buy now, pay later thing is getting so big that traditional banks can't ignore it. And I think that's a big part of why MasterCard and, and its partners are jumping on this. Yeah, people who buy now and pay later, what if, uh, I don't know, 30 days down the road, they decide that they don't want that product anymore? Does that create a more challenging return system? Yes, and that's one of the criticisms here. Buy now, pay later has some advantages, like the installments, the fact that the rates could be lower than credit cards and not drag on for as long. But there are some cons, and it's a very lightly regulated market. So returns can be a problem. Any sort of dispute with the merchant, you're probably not going to have as many benefits as you would um, on a credit card. And it does bear watching. I think there will be more scrutiny on this space. Uh, Returns are one of the pain points. Thanks so much. Good insight from Ted Rossman, industry analyst at (sighs) creditcards.com. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.
Alright.